Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We're not to be panicking at the world spiraling out of control. The people who don't know Jesus absolutely panic. That is what you ought to do because there's nothing on the horizon that's going to make this any better. But what is not right is when Christians are doing the same thing, when Christians are panicking. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Daniel chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Brian. And once in a while you hear the crazy story of a mountain lion attacking some runner or some hiker and even killing them sometimes. It's very rare, but it does happen. But in certain parts of the world, lions are a big, big threat. They're a big threat to people. They're a big threat to villages. And there, there will be times when lions will actually go on the hunt for villagers. They will raid a village and they will carry people off and take them to their, you know, to their lair and just consume them. So th- these are ferocious beast. But God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So he trusted in his God. No wound was found on him. And the kings, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius wrote to all the nations, peoples of every language in all the earth. Now, going back for a second to the theories about Darius, um, you know, some seeing that he was placed on the throne by Cyrus and so forth. But, you know, when I look at this, um, this that Darius wrote to the nations, the peoples in every language, um, I, I don't think that Darius was, a, was an inferior to Cyrus. I think that they were probably like, you know, as the Medes and the Persians, they were probably like co-regents. And initially, Darius was the king because he writes a decree to the nations, the peoples, to every language on the earth. So he's addressing an audience like Nebuchadnezzar would, which is indicating that he's not... a like a vassal, a vassal king is a king that's appointed and serves at the pleasure of somebody else. He's, he is a ruler himself. And so he writes out to the people of all the nations, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, 
people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So here we see the the influence of Daniel as we've already seen how he's begun to influence Darius. And now this seems to take Darius a, a step further in some kind of a understanding and, and a commitment to the true God. It's not quite as intense as Nebuchadnezzar's testimony, but it's not that far off because the, the Medes and the Persians, they would have been polytheist or probably more likely dualist. They would have seen like a, a, a great divine power and a, and a great evil power that will, were equal in power and battling against each other. But here, Darius is basically acknowledging that Daniel's God is the living God who endures forever. So it seems like there is something that's really happened with him. Now, two things. One is, I think part of what we should take away from all of these stories of Daniel and and his friends earlier in these pagan courts of these great empires, I think one thing that we should take away is that God has his people in unlikely places. And we need to remember that and we need to pray for those people. You know, sometimes if, you know, like if somebody's in power and we don't like them, we, you know, our attitude is we just want to see them crushed. We just want to see them, you know, get rid of them, um, recall them, you know, what, however you want to do it. Wipe them out, Lord. Do we ever stop and say, Lord, this is this person that's a problem Jesus died for this person. You actually love this person. I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) Certain people, it's hard to believe that God loves some people, but he does. And I think for us, rather than shouting curses at them and praying for their destruction, we should pray for their salvation. And, you know, one of the things that God does is he sends people into their lives. He puts people in their administrations. He somehow connects them with somebody who's a believer. And that person testifies. That person has a a divine influence. And again, we need to pray that God will send people into these places and those people that he sends, we pray that that he would help them to stand firm like a Daniel and to be without corruption and to be a solid witness. 
And I think the other thing we need to just know is that God has his people in these places. I, I remember back in the days of Saddam Hussein. And Saddam Hussein was a, a wicked ruler. He was a ruthless dictator. He was apparently nice to some people, but to many people, he was, he was a monster. But even in a, a, a government like Saddam Hussein's, there were Christian men who were in position, high positions of power who were seeking to have a Christian influence. And after Saddam Hussein was toppled and all of that happened, you know, it came out, some of the different generals and some of the people that were there close to him but were actually real Christians, true believers who prayed and were hoping that God would work and intervene and, and those you know, kinds of things. So, so we, need to, we need to remember that, that God, God does that. And we see it. I think that's one of the things that Daniel is, is telling us sort of indirectly, that God will place his servants in the midst of the palace. You think of Paul the Apostle. What a great example. Paul is imprisoned and he ends up ministering to the members of Caesar's household. And he writes about it. And he says, those of the household of Caesar greet you. (laughs) So he's, God sticks Paul right in Caesar's palace, so to speak. And there, there he is. He's, he's ministering. He's witnessing. So Daniel prospered during the reigns of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, last thing. Back in verse 23, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So he trusted in his God. No wound was found on him. Now, remember, Daniel is in Hebrews chapter 11. He's there as one of the members of the, of the hall of faith, we sometimes call it. And it speaks there of those in the hall of faith. And the reference to Daniel is, it says, by faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. That's obviously a reference to this story right here. But then it goes on and it tells us about others who by faith were not delivered. Others who by faith were stoned and sawn in two and driven out into the dens and into the caves of the earth and so forth. And the the point that I want to make is that in this case, and in all that we've seen with Daniel before, the Lord has delivered them as they've trusted in him. But deliverance doesn't always come the same way we think. And deliverance doesn't always come in the way that we would hope it would come necessarily. We might think in every situation when you're in a, a lion's den or you're in a fiery furnace or something like that, then, you know, of course, God's going to just pull us out of there. 
but as we read Hebrews 11, we're reminded that sometimes it doesn't work exactly that way. And it's not because anyone's better or less uh, righteous. It's not that, well, you know, if these people would have trusted more, they would not have experienced the, the hardship or the martyrdom that came. And sometimes, you know, we, we can tend to do that. We have to, to really be careful with that. We have to remember that God is sovereign and sometimes for his sovereign purpose, some people are consumed in the fire. But God is fulfilling his purpose even in that. And so that's why Hebrews gives us the list of, of all of the victories that we all look at and say, yes, that's the kind of victory I want. But then it, it goes on and it reminds us of those who also were victorious, but in a different way. They were sawn in two. And most people believe that that is a reference to Isaiah, that Isaiah was actually put to death, sawn in two by Manasseh, the wicked king. We don't know if it was Isaiah or not, but it was obviously somebody the author of Hebrews knew about. So all that to say, we trust the Lord. And, and remember, that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They said, God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow down and worship your image. So they, they got it. They understood. They weren't into a prosperity kind of a doctrine where we're gonna trust God, so everything's gonna have to go exactly the way we want it to. Now, we're gonna trust God, and even if it doesn't go at all the way we want it to, we're still gonna trust God. And that is what Daniel did. Daniel had no guarantee that he was not going to be consumed by the lions, but he trusted God. And so he prayed. He continued to pray. And so let's trust in our God. Let's trust in him for our difficulties today, our struggles, whatever they might be, and for whatever they are that come in the future, the things, the things that come our way. Again, we see as we read the Bible, we see the, you know, the Bible itself, the context of almost the entire Bible, with the exception of the first two chapters, is the context is always conflict. It's always sin. It's always a battle of some sort. You have very brief moments of reprieve. You have a season where, you know, David reigns and he reigns righteously. But then that comes to an end with David's sin. And then you have Solomon and, and Solomon has a good initial run. And there's Solomon means peace and there's peace and Solomon's sort of a type of Christ. And, and you look at Solomon's kingdom and the greatness of it, and it's kind of a little picture of what the kingdom of Christ will look like in the future. But then Solomon becomes an idolater and Solomon starts to oppress the people. And then under Solomon, uh, because of his sin, the kingdom gets divided. And then in the Northern kingdom, you just have a, a long line of wicked, evil rulers. And in the southern kingdom, 
you have a shorter line, but it's still, for the most part, wicked, evil rulers with an occasional bright spot here or there with a Hezekiah or Jehoshaphat or a Josiah or somebody, you know, who, who rules well. But apart from that, it's, it's all difficult. And, and I'm saying this, and I know I've kind of been repeating this lately, but, you know, we just have to remember that even if that is the environment that we live in, God is still good and God is still faithful and we still serve him and we live for an alternative kingdom. We don't live for the kingdoms of this world. We should expect the kingdoms of this world to go further and further and further into the pit of sin. That is where, that is where the world will go. But Jesus saved us. He pulled us out of that. And so even though that is going on, and even though we find ourselves in the midst of that, we're there to be um, a light shining in a dark place. You know, we're not to be panicking at the world spiraling out of control. The people who don't know Jesus absolutely panic. That is what you ought to do because there's nothing on the horizon that's going to make this any better. So it's understandable that people who don't know Jesus panic and get angry and all of the stuff that people do. But what is not right is when Christians are doing the same thing. When Christians are panicking. When Christians are freaking out. When Christians are name-calling, accusing, fighting with each other. And this, this is the moment that we live in. So I just believe that it's possible to enjoy the realities of the kingdom despite what's going on around us. And actually, as we enjoy the realities of the kingdom, that we would spread that kingdom out a little further into the darkness and take some ground from the darkness. I believe that. I believe that's possible. So this past weekend, we did this thing. Biola University did this conference called Ablaze. And it was... So Biola, that originally started in its earliest days, was started by a man named R.A. Torrey, who wrote a fantastic book on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But at some point in Biola's history, they moved away from from any kind of experiential thing with the Holy Spirit, and they adopted a cessationist position. A cessationist meaning the Holy Spirit is no longer working today like he was in the apostolic period. All of that, you know, prophecy and tongues and miracles, that that all ended. That, That doesn't happen today. And actually, if you were a student at Biola, you had to sign, <laughs> you had to sign a statement that you would not speak in tongues. So that was, that was where the school went 
for a lot of years. And in the early days of what was happening here in the 70s, if you were a student at Biola, the one place the faculty wanted to make sure you never got to was here. Whatever you do, don't go to Calvary Chapel. That literally, they would say that. Now, a lot of things have changed and a lot of wonderful things are happening. And so they have completely switched their theological position. They are embracing the the need of the power of the Spirit in our lives today. And they've even built a Holy Spirit center on the campus. A couple that were instrumental back in the days of the Jesus movement, a couple that Pastor Chuck knew, who are still alive. They just celebrated their 80th wedding anniversary. They gave the money to build this center, the center for the study of the work of the Holy Spirit today. So anyway, in conjunction with this Holy Spirit center, they wanted to do a conference that would commemorate the Jesus people movement and also look forward to a fresh outpouring of the spirit in the days ahead. And so that happened this past weekend and we were part of it. Cheryl spoke at it. I spoke at it. And a number of different friends were there and stuff. And and one of the things that was brought up in some of the videos and so forth again, and it, and it keeps being repeated and it's it should be repeated because it's true, is that the late 1960s were every bit as insane as the culture is today. And it was in that insane moment in not just American culture, but world culture. It was in that insane moment that God stepped in and did something that changed the course of history. So we have, you know, a long history of God doing this all the way back to biblical times. But post-biblical times, we see God has done this and he does it when things get desperate. That's quite often when it happens. So as, as things become more desperate around us, this could be the very environment that will lead into a fresh and amazing outpouring of the Spirit of God. So I think that we should hope for that and pray for that and ask God to do that and believe that he will and see what he does. And, you know, if if we just seek him to do it, even just for us, it'll be great. But, you know, when God does something for his people, it usually flows out from them to others. So we'll see what the Lord will do. Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. 
Hi, Pastor Brian here, and it is the beginning of a new year, and I think one of the greatest things about the gospel is the truth of the grace of God, that we're saved by grace, that we live in His grace, that ultimately we are brought home through His grace. And so this month, we are offering a great little booklet by Paul David Tripp, 40 Days of Grace. So what a great way to start the new year, taking a deep dive into the grace of God. And so if you would like to get your copy, let us know and we'll be happy to send you 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. Again, this month's resource is a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. You can order the book 40 Days of Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp to help you better understand that grace is more than you think. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.